Welcome to the Sugar Science Podcast. Our mission is to highlight and connect researchers in the type 1 diabetes space. I'm Monica Wesley, the founder of the Sugar Science and your host for today's podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ali Sinar. He is based in Illinois, and he is also, um, I, I guess I could let him say a little bit about himself. Uh, but first, I'll tell you, he's a professor of chemical engineering. He's the director of Engineering Center for Diabetes Research and Education at Illinois Tech. Uh, he has a long um, history of work in the field, and we're very excited to talk with him today. So welcome, Dr. Snar. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, um, let's, let's go through a couple of questions. I wanted to ask you to talk to us how you became scientifically interested in type 1 diabetes. Uh, we started by developing some uh, uh, educational models uh, for uh, undergraduate students uh, to do uh, computational experiments. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the experiments that we had was to start working with uh, the uh, variations in glucose concentrations uh, in response to, let's say, uh, meals uh, for uh, people with type 1 diabetes. And uh, once we had a, a simulator, which was based actually on uh, the work of others uh, uh, that w published uh, their dissertations in the late 1980s to early 1990s. And uh, uh, once we had that simulator, we started working with the simulator to test uh, more advanced control techniques. Mm -hmm. And that happened to be the time when uh, uh, artificial pancreas uh, research really blossomed. Uh, and my background is in systems and control. So that was a very uh, interesting challenge to me because uh, uh, the needs for uh, putting together uh, advanced control algorithms uh, uh, are uh, uh, quite useful but also quite challenging uh, in a system that is changing continuously from person to person and even uh, within the same person from day to day or hour to hour. So that was one branch of mm -hmm. our research. The other one was based on my interest since the 19, uh, uh, late 1980s, early 1990s, on artificial uh, intelligence. Mm -hmm. And we had developed uh, uh, knowledge-based systems uh, that would uh, uh, supervise the operation, uh, do monitoring and make control decisions on uh, chemical systems. Uh, but as the artificial uh, intelligence space moved from a centralized intelligence to a distributed intelligence, uh, I realized that uh, there was an opportunity to look into the uh, biomedical problems. Mm -hmm. So we started building uh, uh, agent-based models for several uh, uh, biochemical systems, starting with the uh, angiogenesis and tissue growth uh, applications. And from there, uh, 
uh, we moved into uh, uh, looking at uh, the interactions between the immune system and the uh, uh, islets uh, to figure out uh, how we could make contributions in that area. So okay. uh, for type 1, I have both uh, uh, treatment-focused uh, uh, research and uh, uh, support for the experimental uh, research on the uh, uh, cure-related studies. Okay, interesting. Um, <clears throat> What are your thoughts about the work that's being done in the field currently that is addressing type 1 diabetes? Uh, it's moving in uh, several directions. Uh, uh, I think uh, right now uh, there has been a significant improvement in uh, uh, treatment technologies uh, that have really helped uh, extend the average lifespan of people with type 1 diabetes, as well as improve uh, their uh, uh, lifestyle and uh, uh, current living. Uh, and that has also given a lot of uh, uh, opportunity for uh, cure-related technologies to be uh, studied in detail. Mm -hmm. And uh, that ranges all the way from uh, uh, islet uh, transplantation uh, to uh, immunotherapy based systems to uh, uh, stem ba uh, based technologies. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Sure. So uh, I think in, uh, in the last 10 years, uh, there was a significant improvement in both fronts. Uh, of course, uh, the cure-related research will take a little bit longer, uh, but certainly uh, there are uh, many pathways that are providing good hope to find a cure. Yeah, I agree. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, uh, your paper and the work that you've done, paper in PLS1 in, uh, from 2018, agent-based modeling of the interaction between CD8 T cells and beta cells in type one in type one diabetes. That paper, as well as uh, other work you're doing um, with agent-based modeling, is very interesting. Could you could you comment on the paper and the work you're doing? Uh, definitely. The, uh, let me start with agent-based models. Uh, agents are uh, software entities that have the ability to. Uh, collect information from their environment. Uh, they also have some rules uh, of behavior. So once they collect that information, uh, they are able to uh, figure out what to do next and then implement that. And uh, the beauty is uh, uh, this is similar to uh, uh, freeze game type of uh, uh, child play where everyone would make a move and then freeze and everyone will uh, assess uh, what everyone else has done and plan their next move accordingly. Mm -hmm. So in agent-based modeling, we can start with a certain uh, set of initial conditions 
and uh, based on the rules and based on the environment the uh, agents uh, will make what kind of uh, movements uh, or make decisions on what kind of movements they will make and then implement those movements and of course when they make the movement they are going to uh, uh, interact with the environment and change the environment so at the next time instant all of the agents are perceiving the new and modified environment and uh, then looking back to their rules to figure out uh, how to make the next move so that way the simulation is going on with uh, changes that are taking place in uh, uh, let's say real time with respect to the simulation uh, in order to affect the behavior of each individual and that's uh, the uh, critical difference between having a set of uh, simulation studies based on the uh, uh, differential equations uh, and uh, initial conditions that are given and the simulation continues based on that script here the script may change as uh, uh, as time goes on so uh, in another way it would be really a difference between a play uh, that people have rehearsed and are performing versus a stand-up uh, comedian uh, troupe uh, that will feed from the audience and keep on changing what they're going to do next uh, in order to uh, be much better connected with their audience. And so how, what, what brought you to try to use this agent-based modeling, um, you know, in the sort of on the cell stage with the CD8 cells and the beta cells? Uh, well, uh, uh, borrowing uh, a phrase from apple uh, think different uh, yeah. would be uh, the the starting point uh, because th there is already a lot of uh, uh, good work that's uh, going on uh, in uh, uh, the uh, differential equation based uh, uh, systems mm -hmm. uh, the the challenge there is uh, uh, one has to develop a model where all of the model parameters would somehow be identified a priori so that the simulation can continue i see and uh, if we look at the uh, research space uh, there is a lot of uh, research that's ongoing on the uh, fundamental research and there's a lot of observations that are taking place in the uh, translational and practitioner world mm -hmm. so we could see the uh, reports on the outcome of a certain study when such and such drug was used uh, and uh, uh, these different five doses have been uh, tested and this is the outcome uh, but how do you relate that information to the uh, set of differential equations or to some of the uh, observations that people are making uh, about specific uh, types of T cells, for example. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, we thought that rather than trying to do everything uh, 
based on equations by uh, harvesting from the literature the uh, current uh, uh, observations and reports, we could build rules and uh, this will link the, uh, I would say, uh, uh, very lower level uh, simulation uh, in microscopic detail to higher level observations about the outcomes. Uh, what's causing, let's say, the uh, uh, elimination of uh, the islets and uh, why or under what conditions these islets uh, or part of the islets are recovering and uh, uh, new uh, increases in the concentration of islets are being observed. Uh, and uh, what we are observing in uh, computational studies, could they be then uh, tested experimental? Because we're not trying to uh, claim that uh, uh, what we uh, compute and show as results in our simulation world is the necessarily the uh, correct uh, physical or physiological outcome. We're okay. just saying that uh, if we have done this what-if scenario, uh, this turned out to be the outcome. Yes. And uh, in our uh, other work uh, focused on angiogenesis and tissue formation, uh, when we have mentioned uh, some of our uh, uh, results, uh, computational results, to colleagues who were doing experimental studies, uh, they were able to... Uh, change the uh, design of their experiments and observe that indeed what we had suggested had a potential to give better results in angiogenesis or better results in uh, tissue formation. So uh, that's uh, the space that I think uh, uh, our work will uh, serve the research community. It's, it's not the... Uh, definitive results, it's just, uh, uh, let's say, shrinking the space of uh, hypotheses that people need to test experimentally, or even uh, reducing the uh, range of a specific parameter uh, that uh, they could uh, detect uh, uh, as uh, influential in the outcome. So, uh, have you heard of the, the QUID system? Uh, I should say no. Okay. Uh, well, maybe we'll talk about that offline after because it's very interesting. It's a computational way of looking at um, data and creating knowledge graphs. But it's so interesting that the, this approach that you have is very interesting to me uh, because I do think that the, the idea of modeling, um, you know, this, this kind of approach, making a model and shrink, like you said, shrinking the space where people need to test experimentally is very important. How do you think that other scientists could use the work that you've already constructed here? Uh, I should uh, first uh, state that uh, when we started doing the work, uh, the uh, literature was mostly uh, on... Um, uh, experimental results uh, okay. from uh, uh, mouse studies. Mm -hmm. And uh, 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 so our system is based on uh, 
mouse studies as opposed to uh, human studies. And uh, for uh, the past few years, uh, there has been a shift uh, from uh, uh, giving uh, emphasis to mouse studies to reducing the uh, connection between the outcomes of mouse studies and uh, potential human studies. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the work is really uh, work in progress in the sense that uh, we, uh, we have to go back and modify it from mouse to human-based rules uh, in order to make it more uh, appealing to those who are conducting uh, studies on human islands. Hmm. Is that part uh, of, is that something you're doing now? Are you modifying your... Uh, no, uh, right now we are on a holding pattern uh, because uh, 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 unfortunately, research requires funding. Funding requires convincing someone to provide the funds. Uh, and uh, uh, I think uh, uh, I would be uh, interested in uh, uh, potential collaborations with uh, experimental researchers uh, mm -hmm. who could provide us uh, not only uh, some uh, 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 some of their recent papers, which we could also find in the literature, but also considering the time gap between uh, the publication and the development of those results, uh, uh, provide a more active uh, partnership and uh, collaboration uh, to make the switch. The second thing that would be uh, worth mentioning is uh, we have done this proof of concept on computational resources uh, that are uh, not uh, uh, enough to look into a whole uh, uh, pancreas, uh, especially pan uh, the size of the human pancreas. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be computational uh, development in order to change to uh, a system that's going to be better representative of the human pancreas. So you mean like some kind of scan data? Uh, what kind of data are you talking about? Well, uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, in terms of data, uh, we will take whatever is available. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, in terms of computational resources, uh, uh, we have run these on some uh, uh, advanced personal computers with some limited uh, computational uh, strength. Uh, and uh, to go to the human size uh, uh, pancreas uh, uh, research, uh, we would probably need uh, a lot more powerful uh, workstations uh, with uh, uh, parallel processing capabilities and so on, which we can certainly find, but that's going to be the third uh, partner uh, in, the, uh, in the whole uh, project. So if you could uh, put it as uh, our work, then uh, uh, computational uh, capabilities and uh, medical expertise uh, through the uh, interaction of these three we will have uh, 
potential uh, high impact uh, success story. Have you ever thought about this sort of this, uh, the crowd, not crowdfunding, but the crowd tech um, idea where you ask people to do certain or, or give certain um, amounts of space on their computer to for you or in the cloud for you guys to use? Uh, we didn't investigate it because uh, I don't know how uh, the type of uh, uh, software that uh, we were using uh, would be amenable to uh, that kind of work. Uh, I mm -hmm. know that uh, uh, it is amenable to work in um, uh, some uh, uh, genetics multiprocessor uh, computer systems mm -hmm. uh, uh, because it's a simulation that's going to go simultaneously on all sections of the pancreas. Uh, I mean, one uh, simple way to look at it would be to see. Uh, how, let's say, the pancreas can be uh, subdivided into uh, 10 sections, let's say. Uh, and then each processor would be doing some part of it, but as things move from uh, one geographic location to another one, uh, these are not uh, independently running processes uh, where the results can be stitched at the end. They are interacting continuously. And we had the same thing with. Uh, angiogenesis as the blood vessel was growing in one uh, uh, geographic location, it may uh, move over to a different geographic location where mm -hmm. a different processor was doing the computational work. What and about this? Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, after a while, uh, for uh, some reason, that specific branch uh, uh, of uh, the new blood vessel can die. So now we have to go back and undo the presence of that vessel uh, over time again in multiple processors. So uh, the choreography is not uh, that simple. And yeah. uh, uh, I think finding the computational resource part would be uh, the easiest component uh, if we have the partner on the uh, medical side, because then that makes a, a reliable uh, proposal to NIH for consideration. Let me ask you this. This is sort of out of the box, but you know uh, Viacite is looking, as well as SEMA and Sigilon, are looking at islet cell transplants, right? Mm -hmm. So what about using your um, agent-based modeling to um, gather data and as you say, you know, kind of, um, as you said earlier, shrinking the space where people need to test. What about using this system to, um, to track the, um, you know, the foreign body response and the um, beginning of fibrosis that leads to the, you know, the removal of the implant? Would this mm -hmm. be, you know, would that be, would this agent-based modeling be a good tool to track something like that or to understand it better? Uh, it will certainly be uh, another uh, tool in the arsenal. Uh, and uh, uh, it is uh, uh, something that is closer to our past work with uh, uh, the uh, 
uh, angiogenesis and uh, tissue formation because that's where uh, one needed, let's say, the blood vessels to be developed mm -hmm. so that the cells that need uh, the services of the blood vessels can develop and sustain life. And in this particular case, we're really talking about the formation of some uh, scar tissue uh, around the uh, transplant area uh, that is preventing the mass transfer of uh, nutrients and uh, insulin back and forth uh, from uh, the, the islets to, uh, uh, to the system. So that may certainly have uh, uh, additional capabilities for them uh, uh, in terms of uh, interrogating what's going on and uh, what could be uh, predicted. Mm -hmm. uh, the advantage of these computational studies is that uh, uh, while in experiments uh, it is either too costly or uh, too challenging to test uh, variations uh, in uh, several, uh, uh, let's say, factors simultaneously, uh, it is uh, 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 almost uh, uh, free of charge for doing the same thing in simulations except uh, giving some computer time. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, uh, while in uh, real experiments, uh, uh, there may be limitations uh, on how much uh, uh, a certain uh, parameter can be varied uh, because of health reasons. Uh, uh, in computational studies, uh, I mean, uh, there is no limit. So one can start testing things that uh, uh, have not been uh, considered uh, in terms of uh, magnitudes uh, in uh, this kind of uh, computational work uh, to provide maybe another window there. After you did this, the PLO, uh, the PLOS paper, did you, um, did you do any other work with this system, the CD8 and beta cells? Uh, we have done some uh, additional work. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, one of the co-authors, uh, of the study was conducting her PhD with me. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, one more published paper. We have uh, uh, the uh, uh, results uh, that have gone into her dissertation, but uh, she just graduated uh, uh, recently. So uh, I'm at a point right now to see whether uh, I will have the uh, capability to continue uh, the work or uh, just uh, stop here after publishing the results. Uh, Is this Mustafa or, or who was uh, that? No, uh, he was the first author, uh, uh, Chian, uh, oh, Chian. Uh, the second author was uh, mm -hmm. the graduate student. Uh, Mustafa, uh, uh, Mustafa was a postdoc and uh, he left at the end of, uh, or uh, at the end of uh, June uh, 2018. Okay. So Chian is is she going to remain at um, Illinois Tech or where is she? Uh, no, uh, she will probably uh, uh, 
look for another position. And uh, I haven't had a chance to uh, chat with her uh, on uh, what she has been able uh, to figure out. Uh, but uh, I know that her plans were, uh, were to stay in the US to gain more experience uh, and maybe at some point uh, make a decision to stay uh, permanently or return back to China. Yeah, is she a, um, she's still interested in type 1 diabetes? Uh, she may be. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, because of the social distancing, uh, my ability to communicate with yeah. my students have uh, reached a new law. Uh, so yeah. uh, I don't know her plans right now, but uh, as far as her work at IIT is, uh, or Illinois Tech is concerned, uh, that is uh, completed. Uh, uh, so uh, she may have even decided to uh, go back based on uh, the job situation in the US versus the job situation in, in China right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll, I'm going to try to reach out to her and see what her thoughts are. But um, this has been really fascinating. Uh, this agent-based modeling does seem to have a lot of um, power and it, it's, it's surprising to me that I don't see more papers on it using it in different um, systems in different ways. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Why is, why is it not more widely used in the well, type 1 uh, diabetes uh, modeling space? That, uh, actually, it is not being used in uh, many other spaces as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there are uh, very good examples on um, uh, modeling, let's say, the environment, uh, modeling a forest, mm -hmm. uh, modeling a water system. Uh, as well as modeling social systems. Uh, and uh, uh, one extreme would be, let's say, uh, to model a social system where uh, there is, uh, uh, let's say, uh, a group of bad actors. Mm -hmm. And if you eliminate the leadership of that team, uh, does that team reform itself or does it dissipate uh, because of lack of leadership. Uh, so uh, those are uh, a wide spectrum of application areas. Uh, uh, from a uh, biomedical point of view, uh, it could be used uh, uh, both in uh, doing good things uh, like uh, finding the cure for diabetes or uh, uh, let's say, doing simulations for uh, disease progression, like uh, uh, the formation of uh, cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I'm also collaborating uh, with uh, some colleagues on a higher scale of uh, uh, systems where we are looking into uh, the preference, let's say, of uh, medical doctors in uh, providing uh, a certain uh, type of uh, uh, intervention versus another one. What's dictating uh, the decision of the doctor to use treatment A versus treatment B? Uh, is it affected by their education? Is it affected by their 
geographic location? Is it affected by the, uh, let's say, income uh, level of uh, their patients, uh, the uh, education level of their patients, and so on and so forth. So uh, the approach is quite uh, uh, applicable to many different areas. The, the challenge is uh, uh, when people have been so much accustomed to either developing uh, models based on differential equations or developing models based on uh, regression uh, uh, equations based on data collected, uh, this seems to be uh, something that is not in the same domain. And uh, I recall that about uh, uh, eight years ago in a review panel, I had to defend uh, agent-based modeling and uh, the person who was uh, not so happy with it was saying, but in a uh, modeling proposal, there has to be equations. I don't see any equations in this proposal. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, there is uh, some pushback in the scientific community uh, to this kind of an approach. Uh, and uh, uh, when we see the results, uh, uh, they speak for themselves. But uh, to get there uh, is taking more time and energy than uh, necessary for uh, uh, starting the work. Yeah, um, this is very, very interesting and you really uh, laid it out very clearly. I think, um, I think, uh, I think this uh, agent-based modeling is something that is, you know, it's, it has the potential to be used in other, um, in other arenas, and um, I'll ha I'll talk to you offline about it a little bit after we're done with our interview. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I uh, think uh, they should be uh, uh, always optimistic uh, and looking at what uh, uh, has uh, developed, let's say, in the uh, automated insulin delivery slash artificial pancreas. Uh, uh, space. Uh, ten years ago, there were a lot of uh, dreams, uh, speculations. Today, we have uh, uh, devices that are commercially available, and this is just the first generation. I mean, this is the equivalent of uh, Microsoft's uh, 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 Windows 3.1, the first version <laughs> of uh, uh, having the mouse connected to uh, the computer and having a screen that can uh, uh, accept commands. Uh, uh, and in that space, what we are doing is really to uh, expand from just uh, the uh, uh, collection of information from a CGM to also collecting information from a wristband uh, about the state of a person based on uh, physical or physiological variables that are collected so that at any given time we can see uh, the uh, level of physical activity, the level of psychological stress, uh, the characteristics of the sleep that that, that person had uh, the night before, which all have an effect on their uh, blood glucose concentration mm -hmm. uh, during the day. Uh, and uh, 
that would be the second generation of artificial pancreas systems. But yeah. even with the first generation, uh, look at the improvement uh, along with the CGM devices and automated pumps, uh, how much has changed in 10 years. And I yeah. think for the cure, uh, I, uh, uh, I believe that uh, the next 10 years will see a similar uh, big jump in uh, the potential technologies that may be ready for uh, being uh, available to the public. So uh, the message is uh, uh, that uh, they should be optimistic, but they should also live a, uh, a healthy lifestyle uh, and make sure that uh, uh, they are keeping their uh, blood glucose concentration within range at all times. Yeah, and for the scientists who are listening, which is our, our primary audience, you know, just keep going. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, for the scientists, uh, uh, they should uh, always continue in doing what they believe in. Uh, duplicating the same thing again and again uh, is not going to be as critical as uh, uh, searching new directions and new options. And uh, this is a problem where there are uh, quite a few challenges. And uh, one of your uh, uh, podcast speakers from Harvard had uh, laid out very well the challenges in uh, transplantation mm -hmm. uh, with uh, the, the need for uh, encapsulation, the need for figuring out uh, how to uh, uh, have insulin flow uh, and nutrient flow uh, as uh, efficient as possible. Uh, and uh, I think it necessitates a multidisciplinary effort. Uh, I know in my own department, I had colleagues who worked on the biomaterials side for uh, better uh, polymers for encapsulation. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, uh, I would say that uh, uh, the scientists should really look at uh, all kinds of alternatives and look for interdisciplinary partnerships to make a significant uh, uh, contribution as opposed to siloing things. Yes. Well, that's our mission is to connect um, scientists who are working on uh, different approaches, connect them and have them all gathering on our website, The Sugar Science, so that they can communicate and uh, form potential uh, collaborations that they might not, um, they might not have access to and, and really nurture that interdisciplinary approach so that we can get many different um, viewpoints addressing the situation of type 1 diabetes. How did you forecast that coronavirus is going to put the social distancing and reduce the capability <laughs> to make these discussions in technical meetings. Uh, uh, That's very funny. Uh, I did not, I did, I was not involved in any forecasting. It was a big surprise. And in fact, it actually, uh, it, it postponed our, our launch. Uh, but uh, essentially, uh, any, anything, you can look at anything and try to see the glass half full. And so I guess that's what we've been trying to do. Um, but we really believe the our group is you know most of the people that are working on this um, project with me have type one diabetes or they're very close to connectly connect 
closely connected to it. So they're very passionate about um, this idea of connecting scientists in a new way, which is what we're trying to do.